0: You are now entering Frida's World. Join us as we address various issues faced by women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. It's Frida's World. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it like you love church music, but you f*** with future. That's it. It's Frida's World. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. I'm so happy to be speaking to you guys again this week. Today, though, I have a very, very special friend by the name of Diane. I will not give your last name. Thank you. Um, But I told you guys that I was going to start having guests on the show, and I know it took a little longer than usual, but, you know, we have to get... You got to get things in order, right? People mm. are busy. People have lives, and Diane is visiting from out of uh, town. Yes, and so I definitely wanted to capitalize on this, as Diane is a woman with a lot of knowledge. Thank you. Say. Yeah. Thank you. I, I would appreciate say I've learned that. a couple of things from you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, so Diane was actually on. A previous podcast, a year ago actually, yes. that I did with, and I think, I don't know if I called it like your tribe, but it definitely talked mm-hmm. about making sure you had a strong tribe. Yes. And it was you, our other friend Lyo, I think it was just the three of it us. It was the three of us. It was. Um, And that was a great show. People loved it because, yeah. you know, we were just talking about our experiences and how we even came to know each other yes. through law school. So today I have Diane back on the show and we're going to talk about a very Important topic. It's funny because it was like kind of weighing on me over the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel like this is this is an issue that doesn't get addressed, especially within, um, you know, the community of color, especially with with women of color who are at work. Right. So um, I wanted to talk about, you know, disabilities in the workplace Mm -hmm. and particularly with the lens or I guess through the lens of a woman of color. Yes. Because I find that you know, we don't take advantage of what is available to us at the job for fear of, I guess, looking like we need help, that we're weak, we're weak. Mm-hmm. you know, we're, retaliation. we're in retaliation. Yes. And I think that a lot of us suffer, mm-hmm. you know, unnecessarily um, at work and we don't know what our, re- like what our true rights, you right. know, are. And I feel like it's important to kind of Talk about this issue and address it so that hopefully somebody who's currently going through this can, you know, find some sort of like relief. Right. So, Diane, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, So before I do that, I do want to say I'm going to
1: couch this discussion not as saying that we don't take advantage of things that are available. And I'd like to say that we don't exercise our rights. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's that's a very important distinction because this is not. The people are not doing you favors. These are things that you are entitled to do. Um, so when I was 18 and uh, I was set to go off to college, I a few months before I was supposed to go, I was diagnosed with lupus and um, didn't know what it was. No one in my family had it. And, you know, at 18, you're still invincible. So I was hospitalized for the first time then, kind of bounced back, whatever, ignored it, took care of it sometimes. I didn't sometimes, you know whatever. It was, it was just this condition that they said that I had. And as time progressed, um, my body started breaking down. It started deteriorating. Um, I was an athlete before things I was able to do. I was no longer able to do. Long story short, um, I finished college. I work for a year. Uh, The loop is still manageable for that year. I get to law school and with it by my second year of law school. First year of law school, I was a little. I was a bit sick. Second year of law school, my kidneys completely failed, and I needed to start dialysis. And at twenty three, that's that's pretty devastating. Yeah. Um, because you used to be healthy,
0: and now you know you you need a machine. And I just want to just add that, first of all, law school by itself <laughs> is a stressful situation. Yes. So now we're talking about law school plus kidney failure. Yes.
1: Yes. And so um, thank God I had a very strong tribe because I'm I'm from Maryland. So my family's in Maryland and I'm out here in New York City. And I had a tribe that was so powerful that they would send me notes when they knew I wasn't going to make it to class that day. Um, And my parents, you know, they they took turns coming up from Maryland and they were with me one or the other seven days a week until I adjusted to this dialysis schedule and taking care of what I had to take care of. Um, after law school, you know, finished law school, um, I had to, the last semester of law school, I had to do in Maryland, closer to home, closer to my doctors at Johns Hopkins, amazing institution. Um, <laughs> shout and, out. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Johns Hopkins <laughs> and their team there. Um, and so after that, I, I had to study for the bar. And to study for the bar with kidney failure and dialysis, which already takes a lot out of you. And then lupus takes a lot out of you. Not even to talk about all other things that come along with it, like super low uh, red blood cell counts Mm -hmm. and infections and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, after I studied for the bar, as I was studying for the bar, I was done. I was giving it everything I had. And I got to the point where I had to make Probably one of the hardest decisions at that time is, do I get a job, find a job, or do I admit that I can't work? Mm. And I had to, I had to be real with myself. I couldn't, I couldn't work. And that's a, that's a very hard thing. To come to terms with when you've worked so hard particularly since i passed the bar and i'm getting sworn in but i know i can't sustain eight hours a day 40 hours per week and so i made the decision to apply for disability and sure enough, I mean, I was I was pretty I was pretty daggone sick. And disability, they don't grant it to people at a young age because you've got to be pretty messed up, mm-hmm. um, in order to 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 convince basically based on the the government's rules and regulations to convince them that yeah, you have a disability that prevents you from working. But the way the way that my numbers were set up and all my counts looked, they were mm-hmm. like yeah she can't work and i even had a couple um um doctors tell me at one point that you know my life expectancy was not that long yeah and so i i went on disability and about the third month in i said i can't do this i i i can't stay home um my parents were retired at that time i moved back in with them because It's just easier. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I I have to work. And so I started going to um, talks and fairs. And because I said that even if I'm not working for money, I need to volunteer. I need to do something that is meaningful to put joy back in my life. And as God would have it, one of the fairs I went to um, was for the House of Ruth, which um, they were doing domestic violence litigation, And they said, hey, you know what? You don't have to volunteer. Why don't you apply for this job opening that we have now? I did. I got the job. And it was time to get to work while still on dialysis. And I think the mistake that, and I don't know if this is a mistake as much as it is a learning experience, was that I didn't tell them. At the onset that I had, you know, I'm on dialysis, like, Mm -hmm. and there's no way you can tell because I was doing peritoneal dialysis, which means that I had dialysis at night. Yeah, I remember. Yes. Because you
0: came to visit me. Right. With With a dialysis machine. machine. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Yes, I did dialysis at night so that during the day, you know, I could work. Um, But what, you know, there's. It's, it's not, dialysis is not a pretty thing because what happened to my body is that, um, as I would do dialysis at night, when I would wake up in the morning, every morning before work, I would have to, um, I would have to take some time, allow myself enough time to vomit before going out of the house. And Mm -hmm. that's how sick I was. And I worked at House of Ruth for three years. But in that three years, I, I had, uh. I'd passed out in the office. I was having seizures in the office. And I was doing all of these things. That's like, she really is fragile. And um, I, still, I still wasn't strong enough to tell them like, hey, I'm really sick or whatever. And, you know, thank God I made it to three years. And then, you know, God has a very funny sense of humor <laughs> because a, a job <laughs> opened up. At uh, um, social security, <laughs> in um, office of disability and adjudication, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and I would already been on the other side of disability, and I got the job. And this time, um, it only took me. I was I was still getting a lot sicker. But it only, took, it only took, like, the first three months before they figured out, uh-uh, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Because in the middle of an all-staff training with all about, I don't know, 200 attorneys in the room, I had a seizure, and I passed out. And they had to call an ambulance and take me to the nearest hospital. And then it was like, yeah, my supervisor was like, yeah, we got to have a conversation. Like, what's going on? And so— We had that. And then I I found out there's this thing called reasonable accommodations. Hmm. Huh. (laughs) Wait a minute. They're reasonable accommodations. What does that mean? And for me, that meant that I could do my job from home. Because there was nothing really about my job that required me to be in that office every single day. Mm -hmm. And that was a blessing. Right, Because because I didn't have to go into the office, I didn't have to subject my already weakened immune system to everybody else's germs.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Because I didn't have to go into the office, the vomiting that I had to do every single morning before I started work could be done in the privacy of my home. And so it was all of these little reasonable accommodations that they were like, it's okay to make. All I had to do was show my doctor saying, I need these accommodations. And of course they're like, these are doctors that already told me, you sure you you want to go back to work? Mm-hmm. And so they made these accommodations and I worked from home. And it was the biggest, biggest blessing um, that I could have ever had. And um, this, of course, this is like the super abbreviated version. But then December 25th,
0: 2015. I remember that day like it was yesterday. <laughs> Christmas
1: day, I'm I'm there. I am um starting Christmas dinner first thing in the morning, prepping, and I get a call that they have a kidney. And I'm I'm now sick enough that I'm at the top of the list. And I went into surgery and I got my transplant. And it's been over 3 years and I'm still healthy and I'm still wonderful. But the catch to that, though, is there are still accommodations that I have in place because I have recognized that I might not be, you know, a thousand percent, a hundred percent what other people are. And I might not ever get back to my 18 year old health, um, but that's okay because I have these accommodations in place. So now I can go into the office one day a week the same way all my my colleagues do. But I've had that conversation where I say, I can't give you a set date when I come in. I will be here every week. Mm -hmm. I might come in more than once a week um, because we're only required to go once a week. But I might come in more than once a week. But it's based on when I have to see my doctors. I also have an alternative work schedule. The federal government is really good about this stuff. But I have Even under the
0: Trump administration? (laughs) Even
1: any administration. like The government is, is fantastic. And so... Every Friday, I'm off unless I choose to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I work my forty hours Monday through Thursday, and I keep Fridays off. Not not because I have a doctor's appointment every single Friday, but because when I do need medical attention, I do it on Fridays. So that means blood work. Um, I did have two episodes of acute rejection of my kidney. It happens. And I was able to work it out with my medical team that to treat that, I had to do um, something called pulse steroids where you get like really high doses of steroids and it's intravenously and you have to go into a lab and it's a whole intricate be in the, um, in the hospital type thing, but I can do it on Fridays and that's how they set it up. So I got to work Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. I get treatment on Fridays and in those times when I have been super sick, I've worked it out with my treatment team that, okay, I'll, I'll probably do a half-day Thursday prepare. I'll come in Thursday. You have me all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And most of the times, they were able to have me back at work at Monday. And so um, it was a long journey yeah. to figure that out. But those reasonable accommodations... The fact that I exercised my rights to those reasonable accommodations, I think, for me, was the difference certainly between life and death. It was also the difference between um, depression and happiness mm-hmm. for me. And it it was just part of my, my path to, um, to, to being well.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> reliving this, like, as you're talking, I'm like, I remember this. Yes. I remember this. Yes. So, Diane, for those of you who did not listen to last year's podcast, <laughs> <laughs> if you did not, I urge you to go back and listen Please to it. Please do. Because it was a good episode. It was. It was. But Diane is my, is my law school sister. Yes. I met her in law school. We were in the same section. We were. And yeah, that's how we met. I was like, oh, another black person, mm. you know, who's actually cool. And I remember <laughs> Diane being the one who's, because I was like a middle to the back of the row like you know person (laughs) Diane sat in the first row in each and every (laughs) each and every class to the point where She inspired the rest of the minorities to sit in the first... And we called it the minority row. The minority row was the (laughs) first row, yes. To the point where when we saw anyone who was not a minority sitting in the first (laughs) row, we would look at them like, what are you doing here? (laughs) But I just remember, like, seeing Diane. I'm like, she's always eating in class. She's always eating like a bird. Like, who is this woman? Yes. But I would say that, like, my first year, I think that you definitely, like... in terms of like trying to keep me on track because mm. I went to law school with my own baggage having a kid yeah. and not knowing what to do yeah. and then having my own like weird medical mystery episodes out of nowhere right. but I feel like Diane like she was like always on top of it and she was always like you know you could find her on like that third floor or whatever studying <laughs> in the corner you know like so it's like even though she was sick it's like I didn't even really come to terms on how sick you were mm. until I think whatever episode that happened like 2L year mm-hmm. and that's when I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, and then when you told me about the kidney, like yeah, you had like at that at that point you had like thirty percent, I think, function of one of the kidneys, or maybe it was first year. There was one first point where year I, I was, remember. First year I was down to maybe thirty. percent Yeah, I think it was thirty yeah. percent first year, and that's yeah. when I remember like you talking about it, but I still didn't quite get it mm-hmm. until like second year, and I think that's when you had the seizure. Yeah. that, you know, your mom came down for. And I was like, yeah. and at that point, that's when I was like, I am not letting this girl out of my sight. Yeah, I need, like, if I didn't hear from you for like... A day, Where is Diane? Yeah, like, and then you'd
1: start calling my parents. And I, yeah, <laughs> me and her
0: father have a really good relationship yeah. uh, because if I don't even till this day, if I don't hear from Diane, yeah, I start calling his or her parents. Yeah, I start calling Mr. Sub, uh, Mr. Yeah. S first. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. S first, and yeah. then if I need to move on to her mother, yeah. I will. But usually, I'm good with your dad. Yeah, um, but it was just like, but. Even in my mind, I remember when when graduation happened because mm. I was I was sad that you had to leave for third you know for third year yeah second
1: semester three yeah. L yeah I was
0: a little because at that point that's when we were like you know we were in Balsa together yeah I was president she was vice president yes. we went to Haiti the year before we did like yeah. she was like my road dog when it came to like you know doing things at yeah. the school yeah so I was like man like she's gone like what am I gonna do but it was like but when you came back for graduation yeah. it was like. We did it. Like we got we, through this. We got this. through it. We did. And like I remember when I saw you cross that stage, I was like, "Oh my god, she did it." Like she made it. That was <laughs> for me that was
1: like what an amazing um experience because you're right. Like you you came. You 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 certainly had your stuff. Like mm-hmm. you had a kid. Uh, there
0: were not a whole lot of people in law school. With I a think kid. I was the only one in my section. Oh yeah, and oh, the yeah. only kid that ever came to school. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. She he he. Sometimes he had to come to class. He That's to what class it was.
1: Um, and then um, the third person, Lyah was 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 psycho because mm-hmm. she was at Parsons and at Fordham at the same damn time. At the, at the same damn time. <laughs> um, but we made it, and and. You know, again, it goes back to that whole concept of your tribe, Mm -hmm. you know, because I knew you, you, particularly if you're going through something that is difficult, you learn quickly. And I've said this, I say this a lot, but you learn very quickly who your friends are Mm -hmm. and who they aren't. And you learn to cut that extra baggage out pretty quickly. If you ever want to know who is down for you in life get sick get sick yeah <laughs> get, get sick get get like really sick and then you know um and i always tell this story my my now um fiance um it was the day before our corporations finals and corporations was I remember we yeah, were all in the same we were corporations all class in the same <laughs> corporations class and corporations is a class that is mandatory so it's not like we were taking this for fun
0: no nobody was trying to learn
1: <laughs> but the day before our our final i had to go to the hospital and i'm in the i i call him up i'm like it, we, no we were study partners and i'm like i don't feel too good and he's like let's go to the hospital and we go to the hospital and of course I'm dehydrated of course my red blood cell counts are, are mm-hmm. super low and they're like we need to keep you overnight and I'm like sorry I got to study I have a you know a final tomorrow and I look up and his name is Mark and
0: shout, Mark shout out to Mark Mark shout
1: out to Mark and Mark <laughs> Mark pulls out his flashcards. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I have an IV in my arm and we're doing corporation flashcards, right? <laughs> but that that really, that that does really speak to that tribe yeah. that I had, that we all had, mm-hmm. right? Because everyone got me through. Everyone got me through. Whether it was just, um, you know, a smile, a kind word, whatever, but having to leave, I I I love New York. Mm-hmm. I
0: loved Fordham. For, let me tell you, to this Y'all, day, I loved Fordham. I will sing their praises. Yes.
1: For, Fordham University Law School <laughs> if in you're New listening. York. Yes. <laughs> I hope uh, anyone that went to Fordham, I loved Fordham. Yeah. And I loved Fordham because it created that environment. So even that first semester of 3L, right before I had to go, I was able to go and talk to my professors and I said to them, I'm sick. If I'm missing your class, it's not because I don't want to be here because at this point, this is a 1L. Like I've done all the mess for 1L and 2L. This is 3L. So, you know, I'm trying to graduate. Mm -hmm. Like this is it for me. But if I'm missing your class, it's because I physically can't Mm -hmm. make it. And I never had to escalate it beyond them. They were just like, that's okay. We'll work with you. Just get us the work, which I did. But it just had to be in my own time and I couldn't show up to your class at, yeah. every single time. And they worked with me and they got me to that stage. And it was every it was the culmination. That graduation day was like the culmination of everybody's efforts. Mm-hmm. And None of that was lost on me because it was, it was powerful. It was powerful. But going through all of that, Rita, I got to tell you that it taught me some, some really, really um, deep lessons about, about life. One of those lessons is um, speak up when you have to
0: mm-hmm.
1: and let others know,
0: but know who to speak up to. And I think that's a really important point. Like, as we you know try to like tie it in with like the workplace, right? absolutely. Because I find that sometimes people don't know yes who like they know they have to say something because yes. it's get because you know it's getting real right right. But then it's like, who do I say something to? Because now I don't want to you know get have I guess be retaliated against yes because that happens a lot more than we think yes. And then we also don't want to be seen as, oh, the poor little disabled girl. Mm -hmm. We can't give her these cases. We can't give her this workload because she just can't handle it. That's right. That's right.
1: So, so here's, here's my, my advice, um, um, first, um, so before you you get that you make sure that that you know how to rock your job, mm-hmm. right? So make sure that you are in a good place. Can't n- no one can question your work ethic or anything like that. But you need to gauge your first. Your first um, line of support is your supervisor, and you need to know your supervisor and know if they are someone who is going to have your back. Or throw you under the bus. Now, if your supervisor is someone who is going to have your back, and I was I was very, very, very um, um, lucky that at House of Ruth and at the government, I've had supervisors that I know had my back. Mm-hmm. And um, you tell them this is what's going on. What's the proper policy, procedure, protocol, whatever. Mm-hmm. You also need to know your um, office of personnel's manual about what you need to do and what your rights are and what's going on. Um, and knowing that HR manual is is that is your your key and your tool, and you follow it. And so, if you have a chronic condition or you have you know something that's going on with you that is big. You need to document stuff. You need your doctor's notes. You need, you know, medical evidence. You need to be able to say, because believe it or not, I know some of you guys might not believe it, but a lot of people fake things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) well I've seen it
0: with my own eyes. Yes,
1: a lot of people fake things and the workplace is hip to that Mm -hmm. and they don't want you to fake something. But if you if you generally you have a chronic illness and you have documentation of this chronic illness that is impacting your ability to work in some way and you can still do your job with a reasonable accommodation then they need to make that reasonable accommodation and you can argue your case. Um, if you're working in a major you know place, you're like a teacher or, or f- like at that. a firm, uh, any sort of major um, area, everybody has someone in HR that that deals with um, uh, employees with disabilities. Mm-hmm. and you can talk to them about what is a reasonable accommodation. So because I'd say a lot of my job is writing. It is reasonable that I can write from home on on my computer yeah. um, over a secure network. That's a reasonable accommodation. Now, if my, if my job required, uh, you know, litigation, uh, you know, I don't know, five cases a week of litigating, no, it's not reasonable for me to work at home. Mm-hmm. That's not a reasonable accommodation. And in that situation, I'd have to make a career change, which is what I had to do between House of Ruth and the government. Mm-hmm. Had to make that career change. So whatever your chronic condition is, you need to figure out what is it that that needs to change that's going to allow me to continue to do my job to the same standards and expectations as everyone else. Because a reasonable accommodation does not mean that your standards are lowered. And you shouldn't want them to be. You shouldn't want to have
0: some sort of handicap In your ability to work. And I think a lot of people think that that's what reasonable accommodation ends up, you know, translating to that. Well, I'm instead of getting the 10 cases, I'm going to get the three cases. No,
1: that is that is not a reasonable accommodation because now you are you're you're a liability to your employer. And that's not fair to the employer. I'm all pro employee and, you know, whatever. But it's not It's not reasonable for you to ask your employer to pay you the same rate that they are paying someone who is producing 10 cases and you're giving them three cases. So you're basically asking them to take a 70 percent loss. Mm. And that's not that's not reasonable. That's not fair. So a reasonable accommodation means that is there something negligible that you can do employer that is going to allow me to optimally perform my job to the level at which I am expected to perform that job um, the same way that my my other employees do. Mm -hmm. And so that reasonable accommodation might be be working from home. And working from home actually helps a lot of people, particularly if your condition is anxiety, you know, something mental health related, Mm -hmm. that helps, right? And so know what you're asking for yeah before you ask for it and know that if you are able to get that reasonable accommodation then the expectation doesn't change and I'll I'll actually give this because this is actually a very little reasonable accommodation that the job I see makes frequently for for people right we have people at work who have developed like You know, carpal tunnel or cubital Mm -hmm. tunnel because we're typing, we're sitting, you know, whatever. And so reasonable accommodation is, hey, I need a, um, what is it called, ergonomically, ergonomically, (laughs) thank you, ergonomically correct
0: keyboard. And so they'll give them that. Or, um, I've seen the standing pads, even like the pads on the floor Mm -hmm. and you could stand if you can't sit for too long. And we, we actually have
1: that at every single workstation in my office where your desk rises Mm -hmm. and you're able to stand and keep typing and then it goes down and you're able to keep standing. There are even, um, special chairs that you could ask the reasonable accommodation Mm -hmm. to sit in this chair because you have whatever, you know, spinal, um, Mm -hmm. condition. So there are a lot of reasonable accommodations, um, that can be made. So it doesn't have to be something as as severe as kidney failure or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. It really doesn't. Whatever it is that is going to make you do your job better and to the level um, that's expected, it's okay to ask for it. Look at your your personnel manual. There's, there is an entire section devoted to employees with disabilities. And each employer has to be within um, those guidelines, but you have to put them on notice, though, right? You you absolutely need to put them on notice. After you've
0: educated yourself. Yes, educate yourself, <laughs> then put them on notice. Because yes. we have people who really are afraid to go take you know, to go to their doctor's appointments and yeah. to make, you know, and critical doctor's appointments right. because they're like, man, this is the fourth one this month. Yeah. What is my supervisor going to say? What is my supervisor going to do? And then it's like I can't how many more sick days? I only get ten for the year. Right. What am I gonna do?
1: So here's 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 the funny thing about this. I'll tell you what your supervisor, excuse me, what your supervisor is going to do if you drop dead. Your job gets posted tomorrow.
0: Yes, I saw that the okay. other day. I saw a post about that. Yes,
1: that's and that's that really is real. the reality of the situation. And so if this is a critical doctor's appointment, you've got to go because it's critical. It's critical for you. And um, the thing about it is there's there's this amazing thing called, and again, each
0: employer is different, but there is leave without pay. Is it the FMLA?
1: Well, no. there's also there's FMLA. Because
0: FMLA. FMLA, I yes. know, people yes. don't take advantage of that as much as
1: they should. They Listen, FMLA is not just for, for mothers who have given birth.
0: And that's the Family Medical Leave Act. That's correct.
1: And that means... That if you need to take off an extended period of time to take care of your health, then that's what you need to do. Or if you need to take off an extended period of time to take care of the health of a loved one, then that's what you need to do. Understand that that is unpaid time off. Mm -hmm. So that means that if you don't have leave that's going to pay you, then make sure that the way your your finances are set up, you're not going to be homeless. But you are entitled to FMLA, and if you need to take FMLA, then you go ahead and you take FMLA. I will say that I was was extremely fortunate because my brother-in-law is also in the government, and my brother-in-law is a healthy workaholic. And so my brother-in-law actually had a lot of use or lose leave Mm -hmm. that he was able to—when I went into leave
0: without pay status, he was able to transfer— some of his leave to me. And that's something that's very important because I don't think people actually know that you're able to do that.
1: Oh yeah. Again, government and um, I know when I say government, like I'm talking teachers, I'm talking, um, you know, anybody really that is employed in the government has this, even people who aren't in the government but belong to unions. Mm -hmm. A lot of unions have this built into their contracts as well. Where, you know, so that you don't miss a paycheck, people can donate leave to
0: you. Mm-hmm. Particularly
1: people who have used or lose leave. And there those people exist.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they no, exist. there are people, because there are people who just never take days off, that's who never right. do anything like that's that. That's right,
1: that's right. And and so they, they'll, they'll donate it to you. So like I said, my brother-in-law works for a completely different agency. Not even in the same city as me. Um, and... One of the supervisors that I had before had no idea that this was a thing, that you can, you know, donate leave across agencies. And guess what? You can. And he did. And thank God that he did. I didn't miss a paycheck.
0: And so it's it goes back to what you were saying. You need to educate yourself yes. on these things. Because, yes. I mean, I'm like, wait, I didn't even— Know that yes. that was something that happened like that in the government. I know some yeah. unions have yes. that. Cause I think my my you know job has that ability. Mm-hmm. But that's something that a lot of people don't know. They don't know that. They don't know that. And you you should know that. And I wish I wish
1: I had educated myself about that very early on because I wouldn't have stressed. Mm-hmm. The only reason I, I learned about it was because I had a, a fantastic supervisor that said to me, Hey, I think that. You can, you know, have your brother-in-law donate this leave. Mm-hmm. Let me find out.
0: Um, so, yeah. So, now the question I, I do have, uh-huh. you know, as we, I guess, want to wrap up a yep. little is for people who do have, you know, conditions or, yes. who, you know, who would qualify mm-hmm. as somebody who is disabled yes. and whatnot. Um, what if they work in a working environment that is that stressful, mm-hmm. that is retaliatory, mm-hmm. that is like, you know, you can't even ask for a sick day even though you have 15. Mm-hmm. Because the culture there yep. is if you don't bring your butt to work right. and produce these numbers right. and work these 15 hours today, you're gonna get fired. Right. So I could see, you know, individuals working in that type of regime. Yes. As feeling like, listen, like, I hear that there's all these, you know, fancy, (laughs) you know, programs for people like me, but I don't want to lose my job because I don't want my supervisor to discriminate against me. Yes. How, you know, what advice could you give to that individual? So, so really when I say like the, the
1: easiest advice I I'll say, and I'll give two pieces of advice. The first easiest piece I'd say is you need to rethink your life and your priorities. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because the stress of those environments, if you do have a chronic condition, it only exacerbates those conditions. So you need to rethink your priorities and how badly you need to be in that particular environment. And you might need to take a little pay cut and go somewhere else that's less stressful That's gonna improve your quality of life. Okay. Now, if that is not an option, it goes right back to educating yourself because, you know, in the law, we say something about the four corners of Mm -hmm. of that document. And so I'm thinking the four corners of your manual. And whatever those four corners of your manual say you are entitled to, and they do take retaliation, every, and I'm sorry, I didn't, I said documented before, but I need to emphasize this for real. You don't have a lot of these conversations, um, you know, verbally. Verbal doesn't mean a damn thing. So even if I talk to my supervisor and I'm having a verbal conversation, I follow up with it. Hey, Mary J. Thanks so much for talking to me today about XYZ. Here's what I understood what you said to mean. Please correct if I am wrong. Mm. Bam. Okay. Hit them with the receipts. Exactly. You need receipts because um, they will check your receipts. And you never want to be in a situation where it's he say, she say, particularly if you are in an environment where you know they are going to retaliate against you or they're going to say, no, you can't take leave. Because then you have a cause of action. Yep. And the only way you ever prove a cause of action is with evidence. And your word is not evidence. There's What's the saying? Your word is as good as the paper it's written on. Mm-hmm. So look at your manual, especially if you are not in a friendly, collegial type environment and know what you're entitled to before you go there. So that 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 certainly is, um, I think, the best the best piece of advice. If you you know can't realistically just make a career change, something less stressful, which you should do um, is. You really need to know your rights. And advocate for yourself. And advocate for yourself. And know that you have the right to use your leave. And it never hurts to have a friend who is higher up than you. Yep. That can advocate for you too. Yep. So, you know, smile every day. At these people. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. How are you? <laughs> no, you got to say good morning. 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 Good yes. morning. Um, but but in all honesty, you know it, it doesn't hurt to have friends. You need to know what those manuals say, and then you go from there. Yeah. If they if they if they choose to retaliate against you, and you have your receipts,
0: take them to court. Take them to court. Get that settlement check and <laughs> pay off whatever debt you have yep. when you get that check because <laughs> you might have some medical bills. You pay know. them off
1: so. Yes, that's 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 my advice to those people.
0: Okay. But be well. Yes. First off. Yes. <laughs> First and foremost. Yes. All right, well, thank you so much, Diane. I think thank that this you. was really important cuz like I said, like, you know, I often, you know, try to think about things that you know people are one, you know, people are going through in the workplace, right? Yes, and so you know, sometimes I'm always like, How many more episodes of this podcast can we go? But yeah, every other day I'm like, There's a new topic because there's yes. so many things affecting, especially women of color, absolutely in the workplace. And I feel like advocating for ourselves yeah. is like low on the totem pole, it is. we don't really know how to do it, and if we do it, we don't really do it as you know, so well. That's right, and I think that. You know, especially, you know, women working with disabilities Mm -hmm. is, I mean, it's not something that's uncommon, like... Mm -mm. It's, you know, I talked to some of my colleagues, some of my friends in other places, and you'll be surprised to know how many people are actually working with a condition. Yeah. And mental health, because mental a lot of health. people don't necessarily consider that to be a condition that would be worth, like, that would be called a disability. It is. But it is. It and is. even, like, being overly anxious, especially yeah. in these, you know, high- high stress environment mm-hmm. like I actually had to take a leave of absence. Yes. And I remember I told you a couple of years ago in mm-hmm. like 20 I think 2015 as yeah. well. I had to take a leave of absence because there was so many things going on in my life and mm-hmm. because at the time, you know, I wasn't really seeing a therapist regularly so right. I didn't know how to cope with stress and right. All of the other issues that I was going through, I literally like my body was like, Oh, you're done. Yes. My brain was like, You're done. Yes. I lost 10 pounds in literally one week. Yep, I remember that. And I was I felt like Your I just, hair fell out. My hair fell out. I was disconnected. Like yep. I'm talking to you, but I wasn't talking to you. Mm-hmm. I I literally thought I was gonna die. Yes. And I was still trying to go up to I was trying to go to work. Yeah. And at that point, I never took a sick day, but I was out like twice, you know, back to back in two Mm -hmm. weeks. I was out like two days back to back. Yep. And at one point, I I remember I called a therapist. I Googled, because I Googled what was going on. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. Right. A therapist was like, it seems like you are having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And that you need to, like, what do you do? You're a lawyer. You need to take a break right now. Yeah. Or else you're not going to get better. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the hardest things I had to do. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's that stigma. Yeah. It's like- I gotta take a break because yeah. things are too hard. Yeah, like you, like what? What is that?
1: Women of color, we we are groomed to think that we are invincible and we that we can carry the world on our shoulders and still jog half a mile. Yeah, but just to really quick say, Rita, we die at a higher rate from chronic conditions more than any other uh, women. Okay, mm-hmm. cardiovascular disease is killing us. Even something like. Like we go in for childbirth and we're dying. And we don't come out. and like so women of color, if if you hear nothing else, take care of yourself first because you're not going to take care of anybody else if you're dead.
0: And that boss of yours, like yes. you said, it's once, you know, job. before your funeral oh, yeah. is even had, yeah. your position's going to be posted. they gonna be on
1: LinkedIn looking for somebody. <laughs> like, oh, she in the hospital? Let's <laughs> go ahead and get this Let's posted. get a backup. Let's That's get a backup right. right quick. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's,
0: it's definitely real. And I feel like, you know, when I was at my former place of employment, you know, I took for the first two years, I took no sick days. That's crazy. And- it was just like because the job made me think that you couldn't you can't do that unless if you want to show that you are even somewhat valuable here, you mm-hmm. need to be here. That's right. And it wasn't until like two, three years later I was like, oh no. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm taking a vacation. Absolutely. I got personal days, four of them. Yes. I didn't even know what that meant, personal yes. days. And yes. you know. But at the end of the day, the point is to educate ourselves, to to make sure that we are our own advocates. Yes. You know, we're advocating for other people. All day, every day. We do. We need to be advocates for ourselves. And I definitely thank you for sharing, because I know it was a vulnerable moment. We're getting a little emotional here. Yeah. Um, The tears
1: started flowing. I I was like, oh, my God.
0: (laughs) But I definitely want to just thank you for just sharing your story, because I think that that's what really helps people, right? Yeah. Like, hearing stories from real people that are currently going through these Mm. things, like, your journey is still going on. (laughs) It's still going. It's still real. Yeah. But somebody else who's listening to this might be like, damn, like, I... Like, everything she said, oh, my God, that's me then and that's me now. Mm -hmm. And it's important for, like, real people, real working women of color to share their stories to help those who don't know. Because some of us just really don't know. Yes.
1: But you'll get through it. Yeah. And you will be well. And you take care of yourself.
0: And with that note, or with that note, I'm an, I keep telling people, I'm an immigrant. I say these, well, I'm an immigrant. <laughs> my parents are immigrants, but they raise me like I'm an immigrant. So my sayings are yeah, always- Immigrant sayings, yes. They're all over the place. Uh. I'm like, so with, on that note- On oh, that <laughs> note, yes. On that note, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast with my girl, Dee. Thank you, Rita. And I'm sure this is not going to be the last time that you're on here. No. You, you tend to make a yearly appearance. Yes, <laughs> yes. But guys, we will talk to you next week. It's Frida's world. It like? it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it like you love church music, but you f- with Future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world.